0: Hello and a very warm welcome back to the Hodge on Nodge podcast for the very first episode of What's the Goss? And it's not just about me, I'm here in my Norwich City top, but joining me is the man himself, Jeremy Goss. A very warm welcome to the Hodge on Nodge podcast, my friend. How are you this evening?
1: Hodge, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. Thanks for the invite. good to see you all in your uh, yellow and green top for obvious
0: reasons. Yeah, you're quite well dressed yourself, even though it's a different sort of style that you're adopting. But let's bask in the glory, just to start off. We're going to do a season review tonight. So for anyone that's joining us for the first time, you can find Hodge on Nodge on all your major podcast players and here on YouTube with myself, where we're going to be live streaming most of them. Um, Many of you will have seen the podcast with Alex Neal, which was the first one last week. And we're going to be live streaming from now on. But this is a season review and looking back at that season, where, where do you think it ranks, Jeremy, in, in the pantheon of, of great Norwich City campaigns, that one that just gone there? It's, it's
1: a big question, that, isn't it? I think it's a good one because it has been incredible um, in terms of summing up the whole season. You can think of words like sensational, you know, um, mm-hmm. convincing, uh, emphatic, in their victories and their determination to go out and win this league. Uh, just a huge shame the crowds haven't witnessed such glorious football. And I use that word truly because I think, having seen quite a few of the games, they have been playing glorious football. Now, whether it ranks What makes well, you say that? Why,
0: why, oh, getting a bad echo there. What makes you say that? Why, why, why glorious football?
1: Just the style, the way they play it, the way they pass and move. Ball retention absolutely is everything. One, two-touch passing, getting it, giving it, moving. And they're going around teams like and through teams like they weren't there. And that's why, I mean, it's it's glorious. It's pleasing on the eye. They have an objective to get the ball from a goalkeeper to the other the other opposition's net. And they do it in style. They do it through the lines. One, two-touch football. Clever play, intelligent play, gifted players. They're scoring goals, and that's why I say glorious. And it does rank up there amongst some of the very best teams that we've ever seen, I
0: think. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm totally in con- concur with what you're saying there. I, th- I think that the difference for me is, as well as the aesthetically pleasing football going forward, it's been built in a really resolute defence this season. I'm just going to rattle off some quick stats, actually, um, to kick us off. And I should say a, a very sincere thanks from me, to the Hodge Noise Chief Ninja, Ollie Middleton, um, who will be appearing on the podcast at some point. <clears throat> he has uh, compiled a great list of stats here, so I'm just going to run through some of them quickly. Um, record-breaking points, Tally, for a Norwich City side across all divisions this season with 97, the fewest goals conceded in a season since 1971-72. That's record equaling 29 wins, the most wins in a second-tier season for Norwich and equaling the most wins in a single season in the club's history. The first English side ever to win 15 away games in second tier history, although obviously COVID might have had a bit of a factor to do with that. And then the, the the individual player accolades. There's four players in the team of the season, and to be honest, there should probably have been more. Ollie Skip and Tim Cruel, notable absentees for me. But Max Ahrens, Grant Hanley, Timu Puki, and the championship player of the season himself, Emi Buendia. We're all in there and the manager of the team in the season was Daniel Farker. So I think I think to be honest the 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 chiefs at the EFL maybe got to the point where they were just thinking right we can't we can't give all the awards to to certain Norwich people you know but I definitely think Crew was 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 in the running for for the best goalkeeper in the league if not especially when you look at his prowess saving penalties and Oli Skip, I thought was colossal in that in that central midfield area. For Norwich City. I mean, that's an area you know well, Jeremy. So well, let's 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 talk a bit about that. Let's talk about the, the, the central midfield axis. How have you felt Norwich City have sort of played in that area? But you must have had a keen eye on that this season.
1: Yeah, look, you, you've just mentioned it there, Ollie Skip. Uh he started off playing really well as a combination with Rupp. And the two of them formed a great defensive partnership in regards to the two uh shielding up in front of the back two the back centre-halves, which is um, a crucial area of the game today, even in the Premier League, you'll see these spoilers, defensive midfield players who who are closing gaps and stopping spaces and and when they get the ball themselves, they're the first on it to dictate play and I think both them players done really well and Kenny McLean found himself unlucky in not being in there earlier on, he's now come to the forefront naturally and and played a lot of games along with Skip. And I think the pair of them have been absolutely outstanding. And a lot is to be said of Buendia Puki, Naturally, you could even say Max Ahrens and Tim Krull and various other players who may capture the limelight more in games. But these two lads, they're never away from my eyesight when when they play because, and when I watch the game because of their just their ability. I mean, Skip's yeah. an obviously yeah. Premier League football player. He's got a great first touch. He's got great vision. He knows how to block and shield and tackle. He knows how to give a simple pass. And although Brundee has picked up awards, uh, for me, uh, Skip has been the man of the season.
0: That is (laughs) an bold claim. Um, Apologies for any echo sort of hearing in the background there. I should say that if anyone wants to get in touch with questions and comments to put to Jeremy, um, and myself, if you care about what I'm saying, then you can do. Uh, now, what the way most people approach these uh, season review type things, Jeremy, is they tend to do it in a kind of chronology. But we are quite tight to doing this across a sort of our spell um, tonight. So on that basis, I want to break it down position by position. So four goalkeepers to talk about in Norwich City's team. Um, Tim Krill is obviously the uh, the main man—he's had a brilliant season. Um, he was called the best goalkeeper in the championship by Daniel Farker. Yeah, Eighteen clean sheets, and from January the second to April the sixteenth, he conceded just five goals in eighteen games. So, well, the question for me is, how on earth was Asmir Begovic ahead of him in, in Team of the Season when you consider that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, that remains to be seen. That's that's another argument, another question for something else somewhere else. But I think to sing his praises uh, for a good several seasons or three, he's now he's been like the dad of the team. When you meet him, when you speak to him, he has an air of authority. He's in control. Like all goalkeepers, they boss that six-yard box and that 18-yard box. And if you're in it, he's in charge. And he dictates very, very well. I managed to watch one of the games... Uh, very lucky to be a cow road at all. But one of the games I watched was in the Barclay on my own. Can you believe uh, stood there uh, doing something else for someone else uh, commentating at the time and at corners against, he showed his authority as that father figure I've just described, shouting and screaming at players to get in spaces and stand in areas where it's dangerous. Now Norwich played with that, um, zone defence and they don't man-mark, they just fill the area with bodies, even Pookie's back there and that's been a feature of their defensive play this season as well but he's in charge and he dictates um, his experience is second to none anyway and you expect it but I often I often ask myself how many times has he been really tested this season? Such mm-hmm. is the, um, the good form, shall we say, of the backs and the halves and the full-backs the wide guys and the, and the two holding midfield, defensively, they've been so sound and solid. He's probably had less to do this season than he's ever done. And that's, that's, a, that's
0: a different cha- challenge for goalkeepers, isn't it? Um, for goalkeepers, a lot of the challenge comes sometimes with the, the concentration side if yeah. you're in a successful team. And and Tim Creel's obviously got that, that bit that he can concentrate and he doesn't lose his concentration, even if the players in front yeah. of him are playing quite well. Yeah. But do you think it bodes well for next season that we've got sort of steady pair of hands there, and also more of a defensive structure that that looks like will be a lot less open heading into the Premier League campaign, as opposed to the last time when we went up playing champagne football all the time? But yeah. um, you you, you could score quite easily against us.
1: You 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 have, and I think they've learned their lessons from two, last season. Sorry, and I, I think it's the same format where you'll play those four and those two in front and what does it for me is that the manager's got the right players in the right positions this time um, you, you can argue the left the left back position but certainly Max, Ben Gibson, Hanley uh, and let's say Sorensen for example have been brilliant and they've improved uh, no end since the Premier League performances last season, but what's bettered them are the two holding midfield players, so again our, the, the introduction of Rupp and the introduction of Skip and the way that Kenny McLean can bounce off in there when he wants to, and he's had to and he's done really well as to, as well That that's defensively proven stronger than what, what it was last season I believe, which has made things a lot easier in regards to Tim Krull at the back, shot stopping catching things from corners and set pieces, which has been his only real pressurised situation, really, is set pieces, because the back four stroke six are doing such a good job. The way they block shots and keep people away, it's been outstanding. And it's not been been an easy ride for Tim, but I think he's done exceptionally well when he's been called upon. And let's think about his distribution too, which has been excellent. The way he throws it, the way he kicks it, Naturally, as an experienced guy, he makes the right decision at the right time.
0: And I think that's very important for Norwich City moving forward, isn't it? It's going to be important to watch um, in in the new Premier League campaign if that distribution, because you can't can't waste possession as easily. And we do dominate possession in championship games, but in, in the Premier League, the challenge is going to be trying to make sure that we keep possession when we've got it. And Tim Crow's distribution is going to be a massive part of that. So I think that's a really interesting point to bring up. The, the one other aspect of the goalkeeping, um, Michael McGovern signed a new contract recently. I think that's um, for his, his sort of influence around the place. And obviously he's a, a very reliable pack-up, a good professional. But the other thing with we, Norwich City is the quality of young goalkeepers we've got. So Archie Mayer has had a very good campaign out at Kings Lynn, And then Daniel Barden stepped in at a crucial time in the season. That kid came in, and, and he did really, really well. Learned his trade on loan at Berrytown in the non-league and made some fantastic saves, particularly in that game against Coventry in the FA Cup. That's all rewarded by a new contract until 2024, which for me, he's is, is very good value for, but when it comes to, to, to Barden, I mean, just, and made as well, how high are your hopes for, for Norwich City's conveyor belt of young goalkeepers? It
1: is a as they've always been true to their uh, their word when they say they produce the best goalkeepers. Going wow, way back in my time with Chris Woods in the 80s, uh, then Brian Gunn stuck it stood in, and uh, you had Mark Walton as reserve in there. But what a quality goalkeeper he is, was! And um, it's it just so on Robert Green naturally, and and, and you can reel them off: can't you? Andy Marshall, brilliant. Um, Michael McGovern's done very well once he stepped in. There was a frustration as a second choice goalkeeper. However, he's made the decision to uh, be committed to the football club. But they train hard and they train and they get prepared, ready to play at any time. Even though Tim's in and he's in all the time, uh, Mike will be second spot. So he's ready to play re- whenever he's wanted to. And his training intensity is right up there with the rest of them. It makes sense also to have those three goalkeepers because you never know and you never know came along and when daniel got his chance in the team he did exceptionally well and this this is um this is a true reflection of the academy the way they they bring players up a true reflection how uh, how they slowly drip feed and introduce that young youngster into re, the second choice team the under 21s and then drip feed him into the first team squad in terms of training Making sure that they can adapt to it all around as a person, let alone as an ability that you've got, and they do it incredibly well. They man manage players well, and they tease them and stroke them into the first team squad. And Daniel's proven that that he's he's met the challenge, and he's shown what an excellent keeper he can be when he's when he's called upon. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point, the young man. <clears throat> I'm going to move on to the the defence now. Um, start off with we'll, we'll come to the central defensive partnership and um, sort of the prognosis. Looking forward to the Premier League, but it's meant to be more of a review. And I think Hanley and Gibson were were fantastic in front of Tim krull as we've alluded to. But let's let's talk a bit about the fullbacks because it's been an interesting sort of season. You've got you've got Max Ains who could well be off um now obviously part of my sort of job as a journalist as well as to kind of keep my ear to the ground and hear things and I think if there's going to be a departure of one of the young assets from Carroll Road this season from what I'm hearing he is going to be the most most likely to depart um so just on errands to start with before we move to left back which which has been quite interesting because there's a few names to throw in, in in that area um how, how good is Max Aarons, Jeremy? What's, what's his ceiling as a football player for you?
1: I've obviously been impressed with him in the Premier League days. He 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 dealt with the situations and the challenges very well against world-class players. He got caught out a few times and learned a lot in terms of positional play. He learned a lot in, in regards to man marking uh, when you're up against these world-class wide players. Uh, coming into this, in this season... To be honest with you, I think he's been playing in second gear. I mentioned it at the weekend. If this lad's a Ferrari, he's only in second gear. For me, there's been numerous occasions where he should have got forward a lot more. Uh, I'm being hypercritical now. I mean, we're talking about champions of the championship and and an extremely good squad of players. And Max being an extremely good player. However, I think he can do more forward than than he thinks he can. He needs to get forward more. Uh, he can be more creative. He can whip balls in better on a more on a more regular basis too. Uh, defensively, he's been okay. He's done his job. The Fullbacks are judged on stopping crosses coming into the box. Number one, that's the first thing. Uh, he's done that well. And then you're judged on wingbacks because they're not fullbacks. You're judged on right side, uh, left sided, uh, sorry, right sided midfield and right winger, and that's the area where i think he can improve on and he will improve on but as a player and as potential look how look how young he is look how many games he's played how many appearances he's got look how he's coped and dealt with pressure um amazing he's got a great future in the game and it wouldn't surprise me to see him go for 30 35 million i wouldn't be surprised if you know six eight teams in the premier League are interested in him and want to hear uh, whether he wants to go and want to hear about uh, the amount of money Norwich are asking for him he can be a lot better which is uh, which is a really good sign for those looking in on him think and grow him into an even better player than what he is now and 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 that's frightening because right now he's a fantastic
0: player yeah i thought <clears throat> excuse me frog in the throat uh yeah i th- I, th- I think that's a really good point i, I think I think the, the fact that you've got Champions League and top Champions League clubs being linked with them tells you everything about the level of ability the lad's got. But we want to keep racing through our sort of team uh, and, and the structure of it. So I'm now going to talk a bit about left back. Um, D- Dimitris uh has been, for my money, a very successful signing for, for Norwich City. Um, he, he was a kind of surprising one for a lot of people in, in terms of the fact that. Liverpool bought Kostas Simikas, who who was a Greek left-back, and a lot of people from Greece actually thought the guy we picked up from Pauk Thessaloniki was better. Um, and obviously by virtue of Norwich getting promoted, um, the permanent deal has been secured. 16 appearances, just the one assist, 16 chances created, but looks strong defensively. And for my money, Jeremy... I think this is one of those players that you're going to see the best of him next season. He's going to be acclimatized That He'll be second, his first full season, second season with the club. And obviously, I, I just think he's one of those players that looks more, even more suited to the Premier League than the Championship. Would, would you concur with that?
1: Yeah. I, uh, t- terrific knowledge of these players that you have, my friend. Brilliant. But I, I think he's um, adapted eventually to this to this level he's uh, been being from abroad it's very difficult to to come into this country and play and mix and mingle with the with the different style of manager uh, language is is always going to be aired when it comes down to changing your clubs and going to a different country but that's never an issue in in today's world the managers looks after him brilliantly well he's fitted in so well you can see with all the celebrations how He fits in with that anyway, and he does a good job. And and I think pacey is is one thing uh, that we actually lack. And I'm sure we'll come on to Hernandez sooner or later. But if we're to improve in any area, I think we need faster, quicker players going forward. And I mean outright pace players that are uh, few and far between. in any league, um, anybody in the Premier League, uh, look at these uh, these type of players and, and they're sought after. And I think he can give you that. I think he gives you that. And I think he gives you it well. And um, The way he links along with fullbacks, wingers on that left hand side has, has been a learning curve for him as well, because it's not been an easy lead to suddenly adapt to from where he's come from. It's been difficult in many senses and he's taken his time. But he hasn't had that long, 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 long period of of games in there. But I think he's done well once he's been in. He showed in flashes what what a good player he can be. And I'm actually back in your statement to say that he's probably going to be better in the Premier League against better players. Where it's more intense, when there's a full house, when there's more pressure, maybe we're going to see even more from him
0: do you find a lot of players lift their game when they when they get to that level I should say as well, I, I may have heard a difference in the sound quality from my microphone very quickly uh, because someone's helpfully pointed that out uh, in the comments section so thanks for that to the Norwich Talk boys um, so, aye, if you can hear me a bit better, then thanks for for lasting the first twenty minutes of the podcast with my audio not being bang on, troops. Uh, but yeah, I think I think you know, I'm, I'm glad you agree with me. I think he's going to be a really good player. I also want to shout out and just in terms of the left back, Xavi Kintia. Um, got a couple of goals, really nice free kick and, and and seemed to be really shining towards the end of the season there, but just never really fitted with Norwich for me. I just felt he was quite often playing high crosses to the back post and our number nine's Teemu Puki. That's not the kind of service he thrives on. And it, it was a lesson that he didn't seem to learn quick enough. But I do want to give a big shout out to the guy that on, on another channel I called my... Um, most underrated player this season in in Jacob Lungy Sorensen. Now this is a guy before he arrived at Norwich City was a central midfielder, had never played a minute of football in his professional career at left back. And he stood in and did absolutely brilliant uh in in the time that he in the time that he played the position. I can only remember one game in particular where he really struggled and that's what you've got to do in a title winning campaign. It's not going to be all attacking football and great sort of performances and all of that different type of stuff. It's sometimes going to just take getting through those periods. And there was that injury crisis that Norwich had. And during that injury crisis, players were asked to step up and do jobs quite often that weren't natural to them. Jacob Lungi Sorensen did that better than anyone for me
1: again I your sentiments absolutely I think he's been a wonderful player I love watching him I think he's been excellent he's adapted to that position so well when I first saw him at left back I thought he might be out of water but he wasn't he was swimming nicely and he and he fitted in with the two center halves he worked alongside him well his communication was good he was getting talked to all the time especially from people like Hanley who talks to the whole world when he's on the pitch but rightly so Um, you know, dragging him into position, making sure he's in the right area at the right time. When he's on it, he delivers it simple. And that's that's what I like about him. He get it. He gave it. He got it. He gave it. And he passed and moved. And then the most important thing, as I've mentioned before, defensively, he got touch tight. You'll hear that all the time on the pitch. Get touch tight to the guy who's on the ball. That's what he did really, really, really well and just stopped those crosses coming in. Moving up the pitch as a wing back does and has to, then he's got to start linking with whoever's on that side, whether it's Cantwell or Bunde or whether it's Kenny McLean pushing up in that area, or whether Skips found himself in there. He's got to then suddenly start playing in triangles on the halfway line and beyond. And he didn't quite get it going forward enough for me. Maybe my accusation for the same thing with that with Max Ahrens in getting in that final third and delivering well with quality or picking out strikers' feet and getting in the feet earlier on. But as a as a stand-up defender who got close, won tackles, closed, did incredibly well. I like him. I liked him a lot and I think he worked well. You know, if if you put Quintilla or you notice know, in front on the left side, he, he would work well. And I, and I was taken back by how he easily adapted to that position.
0: Do you think he worked better in his games at left back than he did in central midfield? Because I've kind of got an inkling that he might have.
1: Anyway, Dan, it, yeah, possibly. Um, you know, the best thing about players these days are their versatility. We've got plenty of them in the team that can just swap and mingle and mix. I've mentioned Kenny a few times. He's to playing left wing a few times, if I remember right as well. Um, you, if they can fill holes and gaps and spaces, they do, they do it well. He's one of those players he can do well because he's good at controlling it and he's good at passing it. Mm-hmm. And then you can play anywhere on the pitch to a certain degree. You know, you're know, you not going to take Pukki's position because that's, he's a different quality of individual. But you can. It's the quality of the guy who can just one-touch control, two-touch pass, move into space, receive it again. And that's how simple he makes the game. And I'm, you brought that up. He does. It simplifies things for me. Um, I've been really impressed
0: with him, I must admit. Actually yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think that's really important. Um now just just in terms of what to quickly cover off the central defenders because I'm weary that we're nearly at our, our halfway point. Um we've 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 obviously got the, the main paid in Hanley and Ben Gibson um just sort of keeping keeping the answers nice and quick fire. Jeremy do you think they are a Premier League quality partnership if they can both stay fit?
1: I think Gibson looks looks a class act, I, I think um, I think Grant is a leader, a, a, a mountain of a guy who you want next to you, you want him by your side, because he will deliver physically as a presence, he is um, off-putting to, to any opposition, and, and, he's a, and he's a challenge for any striker that plays against him, uh, I think the pair of them work really well together, they've linked well together, Uh, as indeed when Zimmerman came in, uh, uh, has has been outstanding to Omar Bamadeli. There's another one. Wow, what a a big prospect he is as well in that centre-half position. But I think if the manager had all four, which he has got, he will choose those two, Gibson, Hanley, all the time. And rightly so. They've proved their worth and they are quality players.
0: It's about as short as I got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. That's, that's that's fair enough. Excellent. Um, Omar was a, a really important mention because he he's come in and, and shone shown sort of really really well, and particularly with the the injury problems that Christoph Zimmerman's had, then I, I think it's important that 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 he's he's come in and he's shown some sort of development and and some real potential as as a sort of rising young Irish star in the team, a bit like Adamida at the other end of the pitch. Now, do you think Omo Bamadeli, do you think he should be kept in and around the first team picture? Or oh, do you think alone would do him more benefit and then maybe maybe bring in a couple of acquisitions to, to fill those roles? Oh, do you I missed the name of the player you mentioned that who was that, sorry? So Andrew or I'm talking Okay about. okay Abamadelle yes Yeah so alone, sure. or would you keep him in the first team setup for next season I
1: I, I think I think you know where he's going to be going I, I think uh, a loan would suit him but it's got to be the right club he's set a great standard of play for himself now he's shown the manager that he can cope with this level of football he you know the the last game he made a bit of a a a, a bit of an error individually but he's learning all the time and he's got great players around him all the time it depends who the manager brings in to if there's another centre half who comes in then I think for Andrew there's only going to be one way forward and that's to get keep that development going on loan somewhere and there's no there's no wrong in that there's no harm in going away from the club on loan you're getting regular football and as I've just mentioned it's got to be with the right team so in his development that that could be a good move
0: Excellent stuff. Now let's let's move on to the the central midfield area, which we kind of sort of semi segued with Jacob Lungy-Sorensen. When I say central midfield area, I should say the two deeper sitting players. I'm not talking about anyone playing in the in the three behind the striker yet. Yeah, so yeah. I think when we when we talk about that position, we're essentially talking about Ollie Skip and Kenny McLean. How has that been? you were obviously a magnificent exponent of the midfield art yourself, mate. How has that access been for you this season? And and as a midfield pairing, a central midfield pairing, how strong do you think they look in terms of when you look back at the at some of the great midfielders that Norwich City have had?
1: I thought I, I thought um, outstanding, been very, very good. And naturally you look in that area because that's modern football, but ball retention is everything. And if you maintain possession between the 18 yard boxes you're more likely to create more chances and more likely to get get goals. So with those two, uh, in terms of defensively, they've been out. They've been magic the way they've paired up. Uh, I've mentioned Rupman. He, he does need saying and talking about because I think he was excellent with with Skip when he first came, and I thought he was a good player. Uh, Kenny and Oliver have created a partnership that's unbreakable, and they've got a relationship now working partnership with the two centre halves which, again, there are four strong defensive players there. But what the formation does, Hodgie, is give you the freedom to do your job well because you know you don't have to trek forward because there's other lands in front of you playing in a, an attacking midfield role. All you've got to do is defensively do your job well. When you get on the ball, be creative and who you get it to when you look forward and you pass forward. You don't have to drive into the box. To, to get on the end of the ball, where I go back to times where it was just two midfield players, me and Ian Crook, for example, I would bomb forward, then I'd have to bomb back, and he would hold a ground a little bit. He would be defensively, I would be attacking. But both of us would have to do the shielding, both of us would have to do the attacking. This formation allows those two players to simply manage the defensive duties well in front of the back four, to spoil and stop them spaces, prevent the strike again and the ball to his feet. Then when they're in possession of the ball, they can be creative in getting players into the game, bringing wide players in, bringing Brundier in, dropping it off to Cantwell, getting it back, switching play to an on-running on, an on running errands. Then their play is forward and an advanced, but not as advanced as getting in the box scoring goals. And I, and I think the way the system is, the formation... Those two are your best suited players, and it's evident that they've been outstanding this year.
0: So, how big uh, a, a gap is it going to be, Phil? If it looks as as likely that Ollie Skip's is going to be heading back to Spurs, I mean, how are Norwich City with the budget and and the constraints that we are working under as a football club, financially and every other which way? How are we going to manage to replace him? Because he's a player that, as you see, was your man of the year. Like, how can we, we even approach the task of replacing him? Because I don't think you can do it with one player. I think you're you're going to have to buy a couple of players to, to, to really fill that gap.
1: Filling that gap is going to be awkward if he has to go back, but fill it, we will. Uh, we've done it in the past. Um, uh, Mal Lewis suddenly disappears from the football club and furthers his career in the Premier League. We filled it very well. Um, this position here, if I was the manager, I'll be the first on the phone to secure my first signing of the season and that would be Ollie Skin. I wouldn't worry about anyone else here. I would secure his involvement with the football club next year. I and that would be the season for me. I,
0: I, if he I, th- I, I think you're going to be paying in the region, like if you wanted to sign him permanently, you're looking at the guts of 50 million quid to buy yeah. a player of that there quality. That's the problem. Yeah.
1: yeah, there we go. I forgot to add, we'll get him on loan again. That's what the telephone <laughs> calls about.
0: <laughs> well, Keep hopefully hopefully that relationship is going to be good with um, Stuart Weber and with Spurs and, and with all of these other big clubs, because we've proven ourselves as a good club for for these young players and bringing them on and developing them and, and, and helping their game. And that's another really positive thing for Norwich City to be seen as a club that can do that, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Well, Alex Tetty's off and we'll sadly say goodbye to him and congratulate him on a wonderful career at Norwich City. So there's another space that's got to be filled. So, um, when we go into the Premier League and we say we've got a great squad, well, we have won the last game of the, the game in the, in the Championship, but what's, what's the squad looking like in the first game of the Premier League? That's where we've got to judge it. And it's going to be a busy summer for Daniel and for Stewart and, and for others in terms of scouting the right player. It, the preparations have been put in place for months. I'm sure they know who they're going to go and approach and so on and so forth. Uh, but but losing a player of Skip... Skips ill. We'll replace him. We'll we'll bring someone else in. I'm sure that is as good as him. And we'll just develop a youngster coming forward to to fill them spaces. And the best thing is, these young players they see in the first team the job they have to do when they're developing themselves in the youth team, in the old reserves, the under twenty one is a second string. But as you as you grow and develop yourself, you're continually watching players in the first team. And you mirror their performances. So I'm sure Norwich will have backup in that position. The youngsters coming through. However, having that experience, qualified, done it, got the t-shirt player might be that little bit harder.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a challenge for certain um to for Norwich City to try and, and fill some of these voids that are are appearing really. Uh, and that's uh, but I think that's the biggest one of the lot um, although as you mentioned Alex Tetty obviously leaving the club um, obviously a shame that he didn't get his 10th season but at the same time probably the right decision for the football club I would say likewise with Mario Vrancic who provided some great memories um, for Norwich City supporters, um, moments of brilliance during his time here, particularly with set piece prowess. Any one particular Vranic and Tetti memory um, you would pick out? One for each player that, that has stuck with you over over the course of time. Probably just the
1: celebrations. Uh, the, that's probably it. The I think I think with when you look at Alex Tetty you see a professional footballer all over. Um. He's he's a he's a joy to work with so i'm hearing he's first in last out his attitude to training and to playing is extemporary. and you've got someone who's a, is a, a governor and a leader as well and he does uh, it automatically what coaches ask him ask of him and managers ask of him it's a natural character trait that he has to give 110 percent all the time in training all the time in games and lead and show example by playing in that way to the youngsters coming through and indeed his teammates and he can inspire people around him when he is on song and when he's bossing physically that area then you know you've got a good player on your side i you know there, there isn't you you pick out a thousand things from both players i'm sure but uh, Branches, I think I'd like to have seen a lot more of him. Strangely enough, me saying this, uh, the time he's been here, I'd like to have seen him on the ball a lot more. Even on, even in the game, the last game, I'd like to see, get on the ball more, use him more, get him in space more, because I, I just don't think that we saw, I think there was more to him um, than we actually saw. That's what I'm trying to say, in, in, in regards to get the ball to his feet, let him turn more, let him drop off more, let him attack players more, let him drive into the box more. And we didn't really see a great deal of that. I didn't, towards the end. And the and that's a shame. So I think the guy's a gifted footballer, that's for sure. Uh,
0: but the, the the thing is, what what I'm wondering is, was that more down to the other players or was that more down to him maybe not just taking that ownership on himself
1: yeah a bit of both really isn't it because if you compare him to someone like a Buendia he's a dictator give me the ball give me the ball give me the ball and he's such a natural gifted player and he's uh, he's so much on song recently that the players get it and look for him and that does happen in a game you could be stood in space yourself but they want they want Emmy on the ball rather than you and they get it and give it to him. Get it, give it to him. Get it, give it to him. And Pukki's the same sort of guy where you're in advanced positions. Get it, give it to the guys who can create the magic and score goals. Now, he may have been in the spaces of those players while he's been playing. He's had to drag himself out away from their space because they do play tight when, they, when they're when dominating possession. Norwich play very, very tight. And there's a lot of movement. And I bring Kentwell and Brundier and Uh, Pukki into all of this where they're in each other's space a lot and you're right what you're saying Francis could have been one of those guys who is, he just needs to, he does the right thing and gets out of the way of space but then the opportunity's gone for him to get it but look, don't get me wrong he's proved his worth, he's been an exceptional player Uh, crowd favourite, been well loved here Um, and we, we do wish him all the very best don't we
0: yeah absolutely, that free kick against Sheffield Wednesday lives right up there in my in my favourite Norwich City memories of, of my time, albeit a much shorter tenure as a supporter um, you, you will have seen me having spoken a bit about that, the story of becoming a Norwich fan, I was on the Norwich Talk podcast last week and I, I spoke all about that and about speaking to Alex Neal um, the Alex Neal interview, of course, can be found on my YouTube channel and on Hodge on Nodge, which is now available on all the podcast platforms. Um, I think we've covered the the, the sort of central, the, the, the kind of main central area for the most part, um, and Vranjic is kind of then thinking slightly further up the pitch. Now, I think the, the, the one jersey that's that, that's kind of changed around a bit for Norwich City and the uh, the three behind the striker because it's been mainly Buendia right and Cantwell left um, as the number 10. And most recently, that's been Kieran Dowell that's been in there. And it's probably only injury that's that's prevented him from, from doing that a bit more. So the, the question I would put to you then is, do you think Kieran Dowell can potentially be an impactful player in that number 10 role and, and Premier League games, um, let alone Championship games.
1: Yeah, he could be um, terrific player, a dead ball specialist, wonderful balance and posture. He looks the part, doesn't he? Um, interesting when free kicks are outside the box. There's about eight players around the ball, isn't there? Because they all they're all so good at dead ball situations, um, and he's certainly one of those guys. I would I would like to see him. I would like to see him elsewhere, um, a, a bit of a throw in the air argument from me to say that the more you get deer on the ball, the better it is. And the more you get him in areas of space, the better. And that's just off as number 10. I wouldn't play him where uh, anywhere wider positions. I would stick him centrally all the time. So when he's on it, He's in a position to hurt the, the, the defenders. <clears throat> He's closer to the 18-yard box. He's more central, and that's where I would stick him. And, and Dal doesn't. Dal could do that job a- absolutely. Whether we know we can do that job at a higher level remains to be seen. But it, but it is a question mark, isn't it? Of who sits off Pukin.
0: Who sits so- off. So is this an area of the team where you would recruit quite, maybe look to recruit in the summer, then get another number 10 that can really impact the team? And then just more generally, Jeremy, which areas would you be targeting for, for recruitment this summer? I, I
1: think that number 10 has been has been had by and played by many players. The majority of the time, because the movement, Norwich movement up front is so good that everyone takes a spot at that number 10 role, everyone. Even Kenny McLean will push up through the ranks and be that number 10.
0: You make a really yeah. good point. And can't wear when Wendy's games are very much about drifting into the central areas as well. They
1: are oh, they, they mix around. And I argue they're getting into pooky space too often, too much, because they're running all the time. Energetic, enthusiastic players, and they'll just run and move. And fantastic to watch. But sometimes I look at it and go, the lad on the ball, whoever's on the ball in that halfway line. He can't get it to Puki. And people are in places, in spaces, and it's too tight and congested. Hence, they go back to the the centre-half or they go out wide to a full-back area. And I think most certainly we've seen Campbell off him. We've seen Bundir off him magnificently, working well together. Um, They are on the the same wavelength all the time, Puki and Bundir. But they take their turn in that little role off that... Off oh, Pookie in that number ten role, um, and it and it well, look, can Kenny push up a bit? Can other players drop back there? And they've all done that. All Kenny's pushed
0: the ten, up. and, and uh, when Kenny's come in and played the ten, he's been really good this season. I, th- I think like the the times that he's played that role, uh, for the most part. In fact, some of the best number ten performances I've seen this season have actually been from Kenny McLean. Uh, but Dowell, four goals in the last six starts, that that obviously bodes well from a confidence factor. Just bringing it on to Buendia and Canwell as well, Jeremy. I mean, uh, these, to me, are two Premier League players now. Todd especially. His game has developed immensely in, in the last 18 months. He's found consistency. Because it's very easy to be consistent when you're a player playing in in, in different areas of the pitch, maybe a bit further back. It's easy to look quite consistent as a defender if you just go about your work assertively and well. As an attacking player and a creative attacking player, managing to achieve consistency where you can impact games at the front end of the pitch often is, is a big ask, and especially for a young lad. And Todd Cantwell, in the last 12 to 18 months, has found that. What's, what's the answer to, to, to doing that for these young players? What is it you think happens that just gets them that wee, that wee spot that wee bit of magic that they need to, to start delivering on a consistent basis like he has?
1: Confidence and self-belief. And he's got it in abundance. He's got a stack load of it. He bust into the Premier League scene very early on, and it was a big surprise for the fans, I think. But he, he coped well, adapted well. He was very good in tight situations, close control, left foot, right foot, good balance, keeping the ball, getting out of tricky situations, driving forward. But for me, I mean, the number one criteria for any player playing for Norwich is passion, enthusiasm, commitment, desire—those strong words that you need uh, even before working through walking through the gates uh, of of uh, the Lotus Training Centre to get you in any squad at loan team. He has that. He has an enthusiasm which is an obsessive to to want to play and get the ball, give me the ball. I've just mentioned he's getting in people's way sometimes. It's because he desperately wants the ball. He wants the ball all over the pitch. He starts off on the left-hand side of a three in midfield, uh, of an attacking midfield, end up right wing, and he's still on the ball. And he's, given, he's, he's playing triangles with Max Aarons. He's, he should be on the left. He's not. He's over on the right. Then he's in the middle playing number 10. Then he's back defending on the edge of the box. Brilliant. I love that in a young player. His confidence and self-belief and, of course, his ability is shining bright at the minute. My argument is he overcomplicates the game for himself. He does things too... Uh, he, he wants to do too much and create too much magic. There
0: a mm.
1: little step over in a box and drive in and go for it. There are times you just drop it off to another player to do that. Stop <laughs> Draw players out and just one touch pass off to another player. He doesn't need to be that one kind of player all the time because he does a good enough job in creating space for himself and causing problems for the opposition.
0: What is it about Daniel Farca's management style that allows these flamboyant technicians to shine so well? Like do you think it's a sort of man management sort of thing that he gives them a bit of freedom, a bit of confidence, or do you think it's the tactical serve? Do you think it's a combination of those things?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's the it's the it's the team around him. I think it's his backup team, his support system. That's for every player. And I and I and I go down to the individuals at the football club who have changed this football club. Another discussion, another time. But it's the way you speak to people. is how you speak to him. What mannerisms? Uh, what body posture have you got? You're not being sarky and arrogant, but you're being productive and organised, and you're going to be creative for him. You're asking him to go and. Express himself and enjoy the game because you're a youngster. The other, the other thing about the young players, it's not their problem. They don't feel any pressure. The responsibility is not theirs. It's the senior lads. So go out and play and express yourself and enjoy the situation you've got and the chance that you've got. I'm oh, the manager. I'm the manager. I've just thrown you a yellow shirt to wear on a match day. You don't no need to say anything else as a manager. As a player, your chest is out, your shoulders back, you're on tiptoes unbelievable feeling in your body but he still needs guiding and manipulating and molding into the player that the manager wants him to be to fit in the system that he has and it's through todd's character and of course his talent that he's made it his own so i'm full of praise for todd but i just think i look at all these players and see how they can better themselves and next season you want to get to that next level as a player next season is your opportunity to get to an even better standard of play.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good point. And I think that applies to Emmy Buendia as well. Because Emmy Buendia in his first Premier League campaign, to be honest, really disappointed me. I, I think I-, I was expecting Emi Buendia to go into that campaign light it up for Norwich City. And obviously COVID happened and the season was a mess and, and the world was a mess in so many ways. So there were mitigating circumstances that you can see but i was expecting emmy wendy to turn into a 50 million pound player in that first premier league season i went on to um various sort of channels and then can of said that at the start of the campaign and i was disappointed he didn't obviously he's come back down he's had a, a remarkable uh campaign in in the championship after being left out the team a brilliant managerial, motivational masterstroke from Farka to, to to get his hunger back. He was sublime for Norwich City. Thirty-nine appearances, fifteen goals, sixteen assists. Involved in forty-two percent of Norwich City goals in the season just gone. Most key passes in the league, most assists, most man of the matches awards. Man of the match awards, sorry, most chances created with one hundred and twenty-three. The next best, just for context, was eighty-five. And the only player, um, if, if you include Europe's top five leagues and the championship, to score 15 goals or more and get 15 assists or more. it's uh, you, you just cannot argue with, with, with output like that. But what's the key going to be for Emmy next season to maybe not replicate the numbers, but replicate the standard, replicate the level in the Premier League?
1: Well, if you just relay that conversation again to any Premier League manager and just say exactly what you've said, they'll probably want to buy him on what you've just said. It it sounds fantastic, doesn't it? It sounds brilliant. And it brings in my argument that you get him into space, deliver the ball to him at his feet in space. And that's where Dow was saying, he's running away from the other way. Ranches run the other way, create space for Brondir to come in and get it. That's the disadvantage those two players I think may have had in terms of camp ball to a certain degree, But the more you get him on the ball, the better we have of getting, uh, uh, creating chances, scoring goals, because he's a gifted footballer. He rides high on emotion. And if he's emotionally high all the time and does good things, he's even better. We've seen times where things have gone against him, especially in the Premier League, where a foul's not gone his way, a ball's not gone his way, he's smashing the floor, punching the ground. Then he's at his worst and you don't see the best of him. But... You've got to give him space, create space for him, get it to his feet, for him to deliver. Then you've got to have people running in advance of him and around him for his vision to come in and create chances, as you've just said, and then make chances himself.
0: And I think Amy's one of those players as well who that I think what you find as that he he's one of those players if you put him in a, a better team, he's going to look an even better player. You can see times in the field where he's getting frustrated because he's, his brain's just operating sometimes at a higher level than that of his contemporaries and his, his teammates. And hopefully Norwich City can, can can get on that level a bit more often uh, next next season. Just in the background, if you're hearing, I don't know if it's getting picked up in the mic, my um, my nieces have decided to hammer the piano downstairs uh, just during the podcast, so that's all well and good fun. Um, just before we move on to the strikers, because we're, we're we're getting into the the uh, approaching stoppage time on, on the podcast now um, today, Jeremy. And thanks for coming on uh, for, for 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 this. It's been it's been really good to look back at the season with you. You did mention Onel Hernandez earlier. Um, Twenty one appearances this season, no goals, no assists, which. Ties very much into the, the, the lack of end product argument. And I feel he is a player that has, has pace and physicality and, and all of those things. Also a bit of technical ability to beat a man, but his decision-making just is not of the level for Premier League for me. Shemis La Pojeta, um, first season in English football, uh, showed flashes, but a lot of games passed him by. Um, and then young Josh Martin, it was a, it was a short spell that he had impact in the team. But when he came in, he did really, really well and looks another good prospect for the future. J- just on any of those guys that I've mentioned there, very, very quickly, because I want to get a good five minutes on the strikers. Um, any any comments on any any of the above that I mentioned, Plajeta, Hernandez or or Josh Martin?
1: No, you, you no, I, I like the way you've described it. I think you very well. I, I like Josh Martin. I think he's got a good future ahead of him. I think Hernandez is electric, He's so fast, so quick a pace, end product, end result. That's where he's going to be judged. Unfortunately, drive at defenders, create space, but deliver, deliver with quality. Cut inside, strike the ball at goal rather than just get caught in possession. Defensive duties, he's fine. Planchette the same. You've got Josh Martin on that left, but all of them, the Quintilla, Janolis, the, the Sorensen situation, there's a lot of players gathering around the left-hand side. On the right hand side, I think we could argue, wait a minute, we're struggling for players to get down there. You know, so we, we haven't mentioned Sam Sam Byron, and, uh Mumbai yet, them them two who could fill the place of um Aaron's when he does go. But on the left hand side, we seem overloaded, we seem to have plenty of options. They just need to step up. Every I'm player bl- needs to step it up when they get, when they get in the Premier League. And this season they may have say may have underperformed as individuals on that left hand yeah. side.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's a really good point. Just on, I'm glad you mentioned Byram and, and Bali Mumba um, because it gets them the name check that I wanted to give them this season. Um, Mumba had a, a couple of impressive performances. Sam Byram, sadly, just one of those those players in, in, in football that's career seems to be entirely blighted by injuries as soon as he gets a bit of momentum. It seems to be that an injury will, will kind of stop him in his tracks. But there's no doubt he's a good player, and I, I think. Um, fitness obviously pending, could be an effective Premier League player, but yes five minutes on the strikers to finish up, I'm going to ask a general question to start with before I deal with um, any individual players, obviously this is a season review, but we've got to look forward as well, Do, do Norwich City need something different do they need a new dimension to their attacking armory going into the Premier League for you?
1: Uh, this plan B doesn't exist in Daniel's world. I think he's so confident of the system and the philosophy that uh, nothing needs changing. And full credit to him in the Premier League last season. He kept to what his statements were. We're going to get it, pass through the through the lines, want 2 touch football and be creative. And I admire the man for doing that in such challenging circumstances, especially at the end of last season, where Project Restart saw us fail miserably to stay in the premier league and go out with 21 points relegation in the end that was then this is now i think he has better players in the position in his philosophy in his system and i think sometimes only sometimes you will need that direct ball into the box for a hugel to run onto or get his head onto um that's the plan b i think where you are seem to be struggling You're being overloaded all the time with pressure and dominance from the opposition. Sometimes fullbacks have just got to get it forward. We all push up and we keep possession in there or maintain pressure in their half. Now, that's a plan B. Fullbacks have got to deliver maybe earlier near the closer to the halfway line. Instead of being predictable, running down the line to try and take fullbacks on to then cross nearby lines. Can we cross deeper? That's a plan B. Can we play two up front? That's a plan B. You know, he's got, I'm sure, he's so knowledgeable, he's got loads of options. But at the moment, he's going to ride high in the Premier League with this system he's got. He's going to attack it first game, like he did Liverpool last season. First game at Anfield, he'll play between the lines and keep playing nice, attractive, ball-possession football. And like I said, full credit to him for doing that.
0: Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree um, in, in terms of that Timu Pukki, another amazing season at the level. Um, reaching 50 goals in his 100th appearance. It's a memory that, that sticks with me. 26 goals overall in 41 games. Fastest player to 50 championship goals this century. Um, 84 goals and assists combined in 126 games. and Now the 10th highest scorer in what seems like a really short period of time in Norwich City history. Um, where does he rank uh, in terms of, well, let's not just see Norwich City strikers overall, but strikers who have ploughed alone lone furrow up front. Can you think of anyone that's done that better for Norwich City off the top of your head?
1: No, I can't. Uh, I remember when Kevin Drinkle used to score for fun. Uh, I remember uh, Robert Fleck making so much intelligent runs off the back four around Uh, off the shoulder of defenders brilliantly well, then he would come into a number 10 turn and run at people and be clever in that way and score great goals. And we all remember him as a a fan's favourite too. Chris Sutton, totally opposite, as a tall striker who used his aerial power and, again, intelligence to be in the right place at the right time. This guy has got brilliant movement. I mention it every game when I see him play. His vision, his awareness of where the defender is He'll catch the fullback, centre half, looking at the ball, and he'll peel off him only a couple of yards and he'll make his run accordingly for Buendia or midfield player to just drop to just pass that ball in between the lines. And he's off his he's off his defender and he's into space running onto the ball. He then will show up and he'll hold it up and knock it simple. But his his ability to score goals is there to be seen. And again, I'm chucking in another argument. He could have scored even more goals. He would look back and maybe be self-critical and say, I should have scored, well, I could have even got 30 goals. Look at the ones I missed, one-on-one with the keeper. The chances I've had, miss hit it, gone around the post, over the bar. Again, I'm being mega, mega critical on an an unbelievable player. But it's setting standards, uh, and I think this guy can reach even higher standards. He's
0: done Mm -hmm. amazingly
1: well. I just hope he maintains this form against world-class defenders, and I'm sure he will.
0: Well, that, that that's going to be the key for him, is to to try and make sure that when it comes to the Premier League that he's able to get up to that level where he is challenging them on a week-to-week basis. And he, he did show signs of doing that. Also hope that he's fit for the Euros, because, I mean, being a Finnish player with a chance to play at a major tournament, being Scottish, um, that, that, I can wholeheartedly understand just how special that um, as and and it would probably for everything that he's done for Norwich City, I'm sure that would probably be the bit of his career he would look back on as, as his crowning moment. So um fingers crossed that that, that, that Puke does that, does make it for that. Um Adamida, uh I mean wh- what, what, what do you think of that young lad? Do, do, do you think he can he can be in and around the first team picture next season? A bit like Omo Bamideli, similar question. Do you think he would benefit maybe from a loan? Or do you think it's better to keep him in and around the first team picture? And do you expect Norwich City to add uh, another option up front?
1: Yeah, uh, uh, from your last point first, I think they will look to add another option up front. I really do. Um, I, I think Adam's done very well this year. He's a young lad. He makes sometimes the wrong decision at the wrong time. <laughs> but apart from that, he's learning his trade. Sometimes he'll shoot instead of pass. Sometimes he'll pass instead of shoot. But, but as a um, somebody who's got, all, got it all in terms of technique and ability, he's there to develop and grow. And he's in the right place to do those two things under the right manager to do those two things. Uh, he's got a good future. Physically, all these young lads looked look good athletes, quick, strong, great work ethic. That's that's superb to see. But can he build his game now? Can he take on his game? And he'll only get better by playing alongside and training alongside great players like Puki Buendia and the other strikers. I mean, even Hugel will offer him something else in terms of advice to be the complete striker. And the more he, he remains there with those guys. I think the better it will be for him. I think the manager may be a bit reluctant to let someone like him go, given the impact he's made, on loan, that is. Um, maybe he wanna keep him in the mix for for a short term. But I do think they need to add. I do think they need to add there. Um I would I I come back to um the, the Watford lineup and I I was impressed with them three. We struggled against Watford and Bournemouth, didn't we? Uh and I and I can see that they had Premier League squads good players and I was trying to compare Pukki with players like Pedro and Saar and Sima, and you know they were good players, Pedro looked a great player and I, and I, there's going to be a lot of those guys in the Premier League and to gather in one or two of those would be a huge asset to the football club and be even better for us going forward I think. <laughs>
0: I totally agree with that. I think that's bang on, Jeremy. Um, I realise we're we're over the seven o'clock mark and you need to go in a minute. So can I, can I just end with some quick fire questions um, for you? Just and you can you can you can have us back and forth. So you said that your personal choice for player of the season was Ollie Skip, um, but going through sort of the, the each area of the team, um, who who do you think was the pick of the defenders this season and why? Um, a lot's
1: been said about Ben Gibson because of his quality. And I think, he's a, I think he's an excellent, excellent defender, Premier League standard. But for this season, Grant has been a man-mountain, a leader, um, a governor, a dictator, a stopper and a motivator. How about that? There you go. There's some great words for him. I hope he's listening in.
0: Um, I, me too um, and by the way hopefully he brings some of that for Scotland in the summer that's, that's, that's what I'm certainly hoping um, in terms of the midfield area you, you mentioned Ollie Skip, but the, the three behind the striker it's got, it's got to be Dear, really doesn't it?
1: Yes it is yeah uh, I think he's done a, a shade more um, uh, uh, than than the others I really do think so Can, well has been impressive um we didn't even mention steepleman coming in but look these when you when you look at the front line the productive creators goal scorers uh, magicians then you look no further than one deer. i think he's been exceptional it's, it's the best football I, th- I think i've seen him play um and, and he rightly so should be up there with all the credits
0: Yep, totally agree. Um, not even going to ask you about Pookie because he's, he's a clear um, pick for, <laughs> for, for for the leading attacker. Um, unsung hero uh, for for Norwich City this season. Who who would you say that was?
1: Oh wow, there you go. An unsung hero. That is something really, really cool to say. Um, I, I, I think I think Kenny very rarely gets a mention, but his work rate is brilliant. Um. He, he gets involved in the nasty, gritty, unnoticed stuff. Skip Skip does likewise, but he does a little bit more. But I think Kenny's versatility has proven well. I think he's adapted to any position the manager asked him to play in. I think he's done incredibly well. Uh, but for me, I loved Sorensen, the way he played and when he came in. And I and I really wish that he, he'd had the whole season there in, in some way, shape or form, because I think he's a very good footballer. We can see a lot more of him. Did I give yep. you two
0: answers there? No, 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 that's fine. I'm quite happy with that. And then, um, last one for me is who was your pick of the young players this season? So, you're you, your own Norwich City Young Player of the Year.
1: Well, Omabamadeli's come in and is impressed in such a short time, but he looks an athlete, doesn't he? He looks superb and and uh, Josh Martin, he's got talent and he does a wonderful job in driving forward and does the simple thing and my job is to drive at people and get crosses in and tuck in as well and defend um, I, I, I probably would go for um, uh, for Josh uh, you've got me on this one by the way <laughs> as youngsters coming in but but I really do predict Omar Bamedali's, He he looks the part and, and as a youngster coming forward and being thrown in, I, I think he's been my surprise young kind of main player this season, he, although although he's only played very few games compared to the others.
0: OK, and here's, here's another grenade to throw at you, and I promise it's the very last one. Um, who's got the higher ceiling as a footballer? Todd Cantwell or Max Aarons?
1: Who's got the what? Sorry. Repeat that.
0: The higher ceiling as a footballer. So who, who can reach a higher level in the game?
1: Sorry, Archie, I didn't hear you say that. Yeah. Um, Todd or?
0: So Todd or Max Aidens, right? If you take those two players and you say they can both be world class, who can be the better player? out of those two players? Like, who do you think is going to go on and have the more glittering career?
1: Yeah. Um, I think Max. I, th- I think Todd Todd is um, he's gifted in so many different ways, and I love his enthusiasm and work rate and passion and everything else that, that goes with those three words. He has got talent. He's very good with two feet, creates chances. He's super confident. But Max, as I've just mentioned, is a Ferrari playing in second gear. I want to see him, um, when he's in the Premier League, hopefully with Norwich, really, really expand his game, really take his game on more, because he's got so much more to deliver. He's fitter than what he makes out. He's quicker than what he makes out. He can go forward better than what he makes out. He defends one-on-one, touch-type better than what he makes out. I think... Everything that you that you, that you um, add to Max as a player, and you look at him and, and suss him out as a player, at the moment, I think he's six and sevens out of 10. I think he's got the ability to go nines out of everything that he's got, all his ability. He should be in nine in defending, nine going forward, nine tackling, nine heading. And I think there's one or two marks that he can jump up to and one or two levels he can jump up to. Put him in Man United's team, he wouldn't go amiss. Put him in Man City's team, he would adapt.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the key. And I would concur with your assessment on that. And that's not a slight on Todd Cantwell at all, who I also think is a magnificent player. But I think Max Aarons, I agree with you. I think he's got the ability to go right to the top of the game. Yeah. Um, to an even higher level than, than Ben Godfrey, who I think is an all-round excellent central defender. Although, ironically, Norwich City are a better team defensively without Ben Godfrey in there. Last thing I'm going to do, Jeremy, is just finish with a couple of nice comments we've had through. Um, Richard Yardy has got in touch to see what a legend Jeremy Goss is and in the best team Norwich has ever had. So I, I don't know. Do you know Richard personally? Is he a friend or just, just one of your many fans?
1: Oh, he must be my brother if you're saying things like that. <laughs> it, um, you know, that that's, that's a lovely, lovely statement, and it, and it was an exceptional team. There's no doubt. It's a long, long time ago. Uh, take a look how old this face is. It's a long time ago, but it's still ranked uh, every now and then as being one of the, the best teams that, that's ever been. And I think uh, Nigel Worthington's team might argue against that, um, but um, yeah, they, and, and maybe some of Paul Lambert team's May argue against that, but um no, that's a lovely thing to
0: say, and thank you. Yeah, um, definitely and next year's Daniel Farca team, I'm hoping will be will be the same as well. And um mutual friend of ours, Ed Cousins Lakes, got in touch to say superb piece of work, OG Gossi, great debate and hugely enjoyable will be spreading the word. So thanks a lot for that, Ed. Um last thing for me to do, Jeremy, is just to say thanks very much for joining us. We've gone ten minutes over our time, but I'll I'll let you go off and do do whatever you're doing on this Monday night, and we can bask in the glory of another city title. Not not bad times, eh? Oh, gee, it's
1: been a pleasure talking about these wonderful footballers, and we could have covered it even more, couldn't we, and in greater depth. Um, brilliant show. Thank you for having me on. It's, uh, it's a wonderful thing that you do. And you only leave me now to turn off this radiator that I'm sat next to. It's getting pretty warm where I'm sat.
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's always, it's always, I'm sure, going to be red hot in the vicinity of you, especially if there's a football sitting near around. And um, I suppose I might as well do this because I uh, was very kind. Ed, who just got in touch there, was very kindly sent me a copy of this, which I am looking forward to reading. In the coming week, and it is available on the Amazon book store. I've um, put it up a couple of times. Uh, we plug for for Ed, who obviously helped you write the book. Um is there one story you would tell me to look out for particular in there? or maybe a couple that you think might make my, my, my hairs curl a wee bit.
1: There's too many. We need another show just on the book. Um yeah, look, look out! Look out for the Martin O'Neill situation. Uh, I didn't quite see eye to eye with Martin O'Neill. Um, look out for the tear-jerking stuff about how much I love this football club, um, and, and 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 probably look out for uh, one or two end-of-season trips in Spain that uh, kind of I got carried away with. So there's,
0: there's three things there. We, we, we've all got carried away in trips to Spain. Anyone that comes from uh, my neck of the woods will tell you many a story of me on lads Spanish holidays. But I'm in my 30s now, Jeremy. I think my days of, of sort of laddish misdemeanors are hopefully behind me. So all that remains for me to do is to thank you very much for coming on tonight.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Audrey. Pleasure.
0: Pleasure Excellent. Back. I will let you go, Jeremy, um, and let you pop off. And I will just finish up by saying thanks to everyone for watching Hodge on Nodge. Uh, I'm going to be honest with y'all uh, that this is very much the sort of new thing me doing these podcasts. Um, I'm still learning my way around the software. I didn't plug my mic in properly tonight. Uh so I appreciate all of the patience that everyone is having with me as I go along this process. But hopefully, what I'm going to do is through the course of the Hodge on Hodge podcast, I'm going to bring some value and I'm going to bring different stuff to the table um each week. So obviously the Alex Neal interview that was a great get. I was delighted to speak to Alec. about a really good relationship with him when I was in the media during my time covering the club. Uh and it's, it's I take it as a wee bit of feather in the cap that he, he chose to do his sort of reveal-all type interview about Norwich City with we, we myself first. Uh, so so that was obviously very nice, but it's not always going to be big interviews every week. We're going to vary up the content, so Jeremy will be coming on from time to time to give his perspective and view um, on, the, on the What's the Goss segment because, I mean bona fide club legends scored the most famous goals in the history of norwich city um we've also got some other ideas where we're going to be working with other youtubers uh to produce some interesting content ideas and as i've said in other platforms we're going to be looking at the past the present and the future of of norwich city um Thank you very much, Jordan, for getting in touch with this nice comment. um, Saying it's a great show, looking forward to more going forward. As I say, I'm learning as I go along here, like boys and girls, uh, ladies and gentlemen, so... Please let me know if there's anything you like, anything you don't like. Um, the reception to the Alex Neal interview is amazing, and hopefully people enjoy our sort of quick-fire season review with a bit of a twist, because um, I'm actually going on other season reviews later on this week on on other channels, so um, you'll, you'll probably see quite a lot of me around. Uh, but, yeah, I hope you enjoyed the, the the season review from myself and Jeremy there. I think just to sum up finally in terms of my thoughts in the season, I think Norwich City were amazing in a time where it was really, really hard to to, to really play football at a level that was that was, was so impressive. Because Carrow Road, the 12th man backing you, is a massive thing for for, for for Norwich City and for the players to reach the levels they did without that factor involved was amazing. And the time that we can all get back in grounds uh, can't come quickly enough. Uh, obviously, I've been fortunate as part of the media to, to go to the odd game. But I can tell you, man, it's completely soulless. It's just not the same experience. It's not we're watching football so, aye, hopefully hopefully everything gets back to normal, and hopefully the world's getting a wee bit back to normal. But that's it for Hodge on Nodge number two. What's the goss? The first one of those. Um, hope you've enjoyed the season review. You can find, finally, by the way, find Hodge on Nodge on all the major podcast platforms. I think um, Apple Podcasts finally came through today. Um, and it's already been on spot google podcast and all of the other podcast providers and just takes a wee bit of time to catch up on those and of course every podcast will go on youtube um with plenty of them streaming live on there so thank you very much for joining me and on the bog city